This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer with Automotive News in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Stellantis offers buyouts to thousands of U.S. workers. A cyber attack against a major supplier disrupts assembly plants. And Exxon will start lithium production for EVs in the U.S. by 2027. Plus, one AV company CEO says the recent cruise crash and fallout should lead to more self-reflection among the self-driving industry. There needs to be more transparency about how we're doing it, how, you know, what's the technology behind it, and what's the roadmap to deliver a truly safe, vibrant future for the society. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis is offering voluntary buyout packages to 6,400 U.S. salaried employees. The automaker says the move is a response to, quote, challenging market conditions. Workers who have been with the company for at least five years are eligible for the buyouts. They come as UAW members at Stellantis vote on a tentative labor agreement that provides double-digit raises and calls for $19 billion in manufacturing investments. CEO Carlos Tavares has said the automaker must find savings to compensate for the reality that EVs are more costly to build than conventional gasoline models. Meanwhile, Stellantis and other automakers are dealing with the fallout of a major cyber attack against one of the world's largest suppliers. The attack against Yang Feng Automotive Interiors is affecting its operations and disrupting production at assembly plants in North America. Yang Feng manufactures seats, interiors, electronics, and other parts for automakers on a just-in-time basis. Stellantis said on Monday that the situation is disrupting production it declined to identify which plants were affected by the disruption. General Motors also confirmed the disruption at its supplier. Our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business, left messages with Yang Feng seeking more information and also contacted Ford about potential impacts to production. As of recording time, those messages have not been returned. You can find the latest information on the cyber attack at autonews.com. After initially delaying its earnings call, Fisker is now out with a downbeat third-quarter report, and it's slashing its 2023 production forecast. The electric vehicle startup struggled in the quarter to deliver its recently launched Ocean crossover to customers due to logistics failures. Fisker now estimates production of 13,000 to 17,000 vehicles this year by manufacturing partner Magna Steyr. That's down from its previous estimate of 20 to 23,000. On the company's third quarter earnings call, CEO Henrik Fisker acknowledged the company's struggles to deliver its vehicles to customers. We have not been able to follow through with deliveries fast enough. People have paid and are waiting for the cars, and some of them are really getting annoyed. And that's something that we need to do something about. 
Fisker said the company delivered almost 1,100 oceans in the third quarter and produced more than 4,700. Since the quarter ended, Fisker says it delivered an additional 1,200 vehicles in October and is outpacing that in November. And ExxonMobil says it plans to start producing lithium from subsurface wells by 2027 to provide supplies of the key metal used in EV batteries and advanced electronics. Major oil companies are investing in the electrification sector as governments in the United States and Europe set programs to promote wider EV use and reduce fossil fuel consumption. Exxon says it will start production in an area in Arkansas known to hold significant lithium deposits to help develop a domestic source of the metal. Exxon plans to supply lithium for well over a million EVs per year and become a leading supplier of the metal by 2030. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, Plus CEO David Liu gives his reaction to the recent controversy surrounding Cruise and what it means for the AV industry. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. GM's robo-taxi unit Cruise is facing a watershed moment after California regulators suspended its driverless permits, saying the company's driverless vehicles are not safe for public roads. On the night of October 2nd, a Cruise robo-taxi ran over a pedestrian who fell into its path after being struck by a human-driven car in San Francisco. 
State officials say Cruz executives omitted a troubling detail about the crash in a meeting the next day with regulators. After its initial stop, the vehicle resumed driving, dragging the victim underneath and potentially causing more injuries. While this brings up existential questions for Cruz's future as a company, it also has implications for the wider autonomous vehicle industry. David Liu is the CEO of Plus, an AV technology company based in Silicon Valley. He spoke with Automotive News tech and innovation team leader Pete Bigelow on the latest episode of Shift, a podcast about mobility. Liu says the incident validates his company's more conservative approach to rolling out AV technology. Here's a piece of their conversation. I want to kick this off with a 30,000-foot view question about the self-driving industry, which, at least from my perspective, seems like it's having a pretty reflective moment here in the wake of the, the developments with Cruise. Do you see them as having affected the broader industry, or, or are they not? What's the view from uh, the Bay Area? So first of all, I mean, the, the recent events uh, surrounding Cruise are uh, kind of indicated to us that there's a lot of scrutiny around the industry and the consumer sort of perception of how the industry is progressing uh, is uh, it is at the point where people are starting to dive right into understanding, you know, what's going on beneath the hood, right? So people want to understand what's going on, what the technology is, and how mature it, is it, and how is it going to impact you know, our daily lives. So this calls for a lot of transparency into the industry. Uh, so, you know, that's a, the first, first learning that I, I think uh, we get from the, this event is that there needs to be more transparency about how we're doing it, how, you know, what's the technology behind it, and what's the roadmap to, um, to deliver a truly safe, you know, driverless future for the society. Uh, so that's my first uh, first reaction to this. Uh, but also, you know, I, I think the, the recent event uh, gave us more uh, conviction of the path that PLUS has been taken. You know, we have, we have always believed in a progressive approach to develop technology. <clears throat> you know, ever since eight years ago, uh, when we started this journey, uh, we thought it's, it, it's going to happen, right? So the driverless future is going to be here. But it's going to take a lot of time and efforts, uh, and it's it's really one brick at a time to build this this future. Um, and uh, you know, so if you look back on, on uh, not just the recent uh, events uh, surrounding Cruise, but all the, the the last you know ten years of the journey, uh, that we, what we've seen is a lot of progress being made uh, clearly. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, a lot more needs to be done. And we need to take a uh, cautious and progressive approach to deliver that eventual future. So this calls for you know, a lot more you know, testing, a lot more you know, progressive approach in terms of expanding the operational design domain, uh, you know, and, and also perhaps a lot more testing before we can actually you know, get to a wider scale of deployment of that uh, autonomous driving uh, you know, a uh, transportation future. This really echoes uh, something you mentioned uh, in our conversation earlier this spring, which I, I've reflected back on a bit, and it, it seems very prescient. But I, to, to paraphrase, I think you said something like, uh, 
it, it's not that you just have this technology and deploy it, but it's about the evolution of a transportation system that's 120 years old, and uh, that's going to take a very long time. Clearly, ringing very true today. Yes, uh, you know we've had be able to do driverless demos uh, five years ago, right? We've done you know uh, driver out demos in various places uh, for the last five years, but we also understand the the to really deploy this technology uh, widely and broadly, it's going to take a lot more effort. So what we've done is, uh, can we you know, take this technology and apply it in places where we can improve safety, improve driver comfort uh, for, for a driver in situation, right? Can we, can we utilize this technology today? At the same time, uh, you know, take that time to improve the technology and provide the, the users, the consumers, the society, the transparency of the progress of the the, on the technology that we've made. So I, I think it's, uh, it, it's really important to take the right approach to scale the technology. David, I feel like a lot of companies have, uh, have a view that you're either doing a, you're building a system for a driver in or a driver out, but not necessarily progressing from one to the other, um, which is what you're doing. So maybe A, take us uh, take us through just what you're doing with that that kind of evolutionary approach and and why do you think you can can uh, grow from one to the other or or back and forth in some way? So we, we've always believed that uh, you know the technology that we build is uh, driver out capable. Um, so we have one technology stack for all the autonomous applications. And that technology is built to be uh, extensible and uh, you know, uh, capable uh, to support driver out uh, applications. And we've demonstrated that years ago. Right? But at the same time, we, we think that if you take that technology, that this highly reliable, highly uh, uh, redundant technology, you take that and you, you apply it onto you know, vehicles that have drivers in it, we can actually provide benefits to drivers today to help them, you know, uh, make their driving better and safer, and to to make their their driving uh, experience uh, more comfortable. And we found a few applications of that, you know, both in the uh, in highly automated driving area as well as uh, you know safety suite application, where we can apply our L four technology, driver out technology, for instance, to 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 provide really, really high performance uh, automatic emergency brake. That's a level one, level zero type of uh, you know, functionality, right? We can use the driverless uh, L4 technology to make AEB better. That's what we're able to do. Um, there's a lot of aspects of this I wanna dive into, but maybe to, to kind of level set, when was it apparent to you that like this was the path versus trying to go all in on level four right away? Was there a point early on where you knew that uh, uh, it would not be that simple? Uh, it was really a decision that we made very, very early on. You know, uh, the, the founding team of, uh, of the company has been in technology field for the past you know, two, three decades. Right? We were classmates uh, studying engineering when we were at Stanford. Uh, and, you know, from an engineering point of view, all technology are developed with a progressive path, right? Nothing just, you know, born out of etherware, right? So it's always better performance, lower cost, 
over a long period of time. And then, you know, these quantitative changes and progress eventually will add up to qualitative change. So we've always believed in that to deliver that truly driverless future is going to take a long time, you know, years, if not decades, to really get there. And along the way, you know, we need to figure out an application for this type, type of technology, you know, and, and then we can, in that process, improve the technology, while at the same time bring benefits to the society, to the customers that we, we serve. David Liu is the CEO of PLUS, a Silicon Valley-based AV technology company. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer and for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to automotive news journalists Vince Bond Jr. and Lawrence Iliff for their reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from Kurt Nagel of our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business. You can get the latest news on driverless vehicles, automaker buyouts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.